0: there are some perennial weeds that can regrow from just a one inch section of root. It's super frustrating, but getting a handle on the majority of them will make it much easier to control in the future. Hey, I'm Karen and together with my husband, I spent over a decade researching and learning and building our small farm Through lots of trial and error, successes and failures, I went back to school to get my degree in horticulture to help our farm business, and now I want to pass all that knowledge on to you. Because I firmly believe that self-reliance is empowering, and that everyone, whether you've got a five-acre plot in the country, a half-acre lot in suburbia, or a windowless room in a downtown apartment, should just grow something. Hello, my garden friends, and welcome back to the Just Grow Something podcast. This is episode 10, and in this Garden Talk Tuesday episode, we're going to talk through the basics of controlling weeds. Many, many hours can be spent pulling these invaders out of the garden to keep them from competing with our plants for nutrients, moisture, and light. Prevention is your first line of defense with weeds. Once you've got them popping up, you may be pulling and pulling the entire season to keep them from getting a stranglehold on your garden. So the best way to mitigate that unpleasantness is to keep them from coming up in the first place. So I'll be honest, when we first started gardening, I thought weed control was more about aesthetics than anything else. I thought you pulled weeds because they were unsightly and because I was gardening at the same time as having very young kids, the weeds were not a priority. But in reality, weeds rob your plants of nutrients, moisture, sunlight, and all kinds of things that are essential for them to survive and thrive. So keeping your garden weed free is not only important for aesthetics, but really more so for the health of your plants and the potential yield they can provide. So how do we prevent weeds in the garden? Weeds spread by many sources including wind, machinery, birds, and last year's weeds. The first line of defense is to not allow this year's weeds to flower and set their seeds. Knowing what type of weeds you're dealing with, annual or perennial, and the way they spread can help you keep them from taking over your garden area. The next strategy is to try to keep any weed seeds from being exposed to adequate light to sprout. Now, this can be done after your garden is established by either not tilling at all or by only lightly tilling and then immediately covering your beds with a thick layer of compost to plant into. The compost will prevent that light from reaching small weed seeds deep down. The seeds may sprout under that layer of compost, but they will expend their stored energy before they reach the light to generate more energy and they'll simply just die out beneath the soil surface. Now this only works if we're talking about annual weeds that spread only by seed. There are perennial weeds, those that go dormant with underground parts that sprout new plants again the next season. Those weeds have a much larger energy reserve to allow them to keep reaching up until they break through the top of the compost or the soil to reach the sunlight. These buggers not only spread by these underground parts, but some of them also spread by seed for a double whammy. So for perennial weeds, it's imperative to dig them up whenever you see them and to do it when they're young. Young weeds have small roots, which makes them easier to pull and increases your chances of getting the entire plant. Trying to get the entire root system or rhizome or whatever underground part is responsible for holding on to the plant's energy all winter is extremely important, and you likely won't be entirely successful with this. There are some perennial weeds that can regrow from just a one-inch section of root. It's super frustrating, but getting a handle on the majority of them will make it much easier to control in the future. It's not really about eradication, which is sort of impossible with perennials. It's really more about control. Another one of my favorite ways to rid a garden bed of weeds is to flame weed. Yes, flame as in fire. I have a single point flame weeder that attaches to a propane tank that my sister-in-law sent me after seeing how much joy my brother got from this. Thank you, Colleen. It has been a super useful tool in my garden, especially in garden beds where I'm planting something that takes a while to germinate, like carrots. I do my usual bed preparation, use my flame weeder to literally burn down any early germinating weeds, whether you can see them or not, and then cover that with the compost. This helps keep the weeds at bay while those seeds that take a week or more to sprout are doing their thing it's an inexpensive tool to use to burn down those weeds that may plague your garden beds while you're waiting for slow germinating seeds to finally pop up okay when you've cleared the bed of any existing weeds or buried any weed seeds so deeply that they won't be popping up anytime soon the best The next best way to keep any remaining weeds from popping up is to use mulch. Mulch is one of the gardener's best friends, and the best types of mulch help retain water in addition to keeping out unwanted weeds. It's actually our main moisture retention strategy on our farm, but that's a subject for a whole other episode. So let's cover a few different options for mulch that serve as weed prevention in your garden. The first type of mulch is straw. Straw is a fantastic natural mulch for your garden. Using straw around the plants and in your pathways serves multiple purposes. First, if you lay it down thick enough, it will choke out most annual weeds. And what few do poke through are easy to spot and much easier to pull before they get out of hand. This also applies to those pesky perennial weeds. They're easier to see as they pop up through the straw, and you can yank them while they're still tender and haven't had a chance to set any seeds to spread. Second, straw will retain the moisture around your plants. It prevents soil moisture from wicking to the surface and evaporating away. This makes your plants more resilient against any weed pressure. And then third, straw will decompose slowly over time. This is great for your soil as it adds needed nutrients and biological material necessary for plant growth, but it generally does not decompose during the same season that you're growing. Once the garden is done for the season, you can just leave the straw on the ground. You'll come back in the spring to find the soil is much easier to work with and even richer than before. And you probably won't even have to till the soil, which is even better for long-term soil health and for weed prevention. Just try to keep the straw from touching the base of your plants. If you're too close, it can encourage slugs or rot at the base of the plant from excessive moisture and can provide a haven for certain garden pests that like to invade the base of plants. If you don't have access to straw, you can also use hay. Just be aware that hay, which is really just dried grasses, can oftentimes contain lots of seeds of those grasses. These seeds could germinate in your garden and cause you to have to manage the resulting grasses just like you would an annual weed. The hay will break down into your soil more quickly and provides more nutrients for your soil than straw does, But those pesky grasses could be a little bit of a trade-off. Honestly, we have easier access to hay than we do straw here. So it's what we use in our planting fields. We also have areas with heavy clay soil. And it seems like when we add straw to the mix, it just sort of turns to concrete. So we stick to hay and just manage any resulting grasses that germinate as a result. Those grasses are so much better than the perennial weeds that the hay blocks. So we just kind of pick our battles at that point. Keep in mind that both straw and hay will have a cooling effect on your soil. So for cool season crops that like the reduced soil temperature, like brassicas, like broccoli, this is great. Plants that tend to bolt or go to seed before generating a usable crop because they get too hot too early will definitely benefit from the cooling effects of the hay or the straw. But for heat-loving plants like tomatoes and peppers, this may reduce the soil temperature too much to where it reduces your yield. So it really depends on what area of the country you're planting in. So I do have a suggestion for the heat-loving plants here in a bit. There's not much better than looking out first thing on a sunny morning, gazing at my garden beds over a hot cup of coffee. As US Marines, my husband and I drank a lot of coffee. As farmers, well, let's just say we should probably drink more water. At least we drink much better coffee these days, but it still has a military tie. We have four bags of freshly roasted coffee shipped to us every few weeks from Black Rifle Coffee Company. Black Rifle is a veteran-owned business just like ours but they serve up premium coffee and ship it around the world. When you join their coffee club, your chosen brew is roasted, packaged, and shipped free to your door on whatever schedule you choose. And with every purchase, they're giving back to military veterans, active duty, law enforcement, and first responders. Ready to check them out? Go to JustGrowSomethingPodcast.com slash coffee to save 20% when you join the Black Rifle Coffee Club. No commitments, cancel anytime but i'm pretty sure you won't. That's just slash coffee for 20% off your coffee club subscription. Another option for mulch in your garden is other types of organic materials. You can use grass clippings, dried leaves, pine needles, and even sawdust as mulch for your plants. These will all break down slowly and work their way into the garden soil as a boost to the soil composition. Grass clippings are especially good sources of nitrogen, so plants that need that boost will definitely enjoy grass clippings. Just make sure you research the nutrient needs of your plants before using grass as a mulch. Some plants, like tomatoes, like early availability of nitrogen, but they need more phosphorus later on to develop their fruit. So too much nitrogen will encourage a whole bunch of leafy growth, but will discourage flowering. So that reduces your yield. So use grass clippings wisely. Uh, Leafy greens will always benefit from a boost of nitrogen. Again, nitrogen focuses on leaf growth. So leafy greens will love grass clippings. Additionally, grass clippings should be sun-dried for a day or so before adding to the garden. And avoid using clippings if the lawn has been treated with herbicides or pest control sprays. Uh, These could be detrimental to your garden plants. Be aware that these types of mulches are also prone to cooling the soil, much like straw and hay. So keep that in mind. The next type of mulch is paper. Using thick layers of newspaper or other discarded paper or paper products like cardboard in your walkways, in the bottom of your raised beds, and in between your plants is also very effective at keeping weeds at bay. The paper will also break down and work into the soil like a form of compost, and it really is effective at helping retain moisture. Just keep in mind you'll need thick layers so they don't decompose too quickly with the rains. And don't use slick shiny papers like the ones you get in some mailed advertisements. The inks in them can actually harm the soil in your garden and they may not break down as effectively. But if you've got access to a lot of paper or cardboard, this is a really good way to go. If you've only got a few, use them strategically along with other mulches in your most weed-prone areas. Now there are also commercial weed barriers made from biodegradable paper products that you can buy online and in garden centers. They usually come on a roll, often with planting holes already spaced out for you and you can choose which dimensions you want based on what it is that you're planting. These can remain in place at the end of the season to biodegrade into the soil for the next season. They're pretty effective unless you get a really good amount of rain during your season, which may cause them to break down prematurely and allow weeds to push through. It just means you have to go along and be vigilant and pull out those weeds while they're still young. We have used them uh, in our fields with our onion plants with some success in the past. With any of these natural type mulches, be sure you do a soil test beforehand. If your soil is remotely close to being low on nitrogen, be sure to amend with something to increase nitrogen levels before using these mulches. As they break down, organic mulches will eat up some of the nitrogen from the soil and it may leave your soil depleted enough to rob those nutrients from your plants. So just like everything else, always make sure you are doing a soil test and amending appropriately every single season. The next mulch we'll talk about is landscape cloth. This weed barrier is sold in rolls and it's placed beneath mulch in landscape beds to prevent weed emergence. You can use landscape cloths in the bottom of raised beds to achieve the same effect but you can also use them as an effective mulch around your plants. Roll out the landscape fabric and then cut holes where your plants will go leaving the remaining area to be covered by the cloth to block weeds and trap in moisture. Now there are several different types of these cloths or fabrics Some are very thin material that does break down really quickly over the season, but they don't really help with the nutrients in the garden soil. I suggest avoiding those and using a thick layer of newspapers instead, which is just as effective and it's way more beneficial to the soil. But there are much thicker landscape fabrics that don't break down. And this is what we use in our fields for our weed-prone crops like tomatoes and peppers. It's a thick woven product, it's heavy, and it's very effective at keeping the weeds out, but it has to be pulled up and put away at the end of the season. If you don't, you're doing your soil and your soil microbes a disservice by not allowing air and moisture to move in during the off season and leaving the fabric to just kind of weather out there in, in the winter. So use it responsibly, but it is absolutely effective just pull it up at the end of the season. This is a type of mulch that retains heat, especially the heavier fabric ones. Great for tomatoes and peppers, but not so much for plants like greens or broccoli. So plan accordingly. The next type of mulch is black plastic. Black plastic mulch can be used as a very effective barrier against weeds and a way to retain moisture. It's different from landscape fabric in that it's almost the same texture and consistency as a black plastic bag. The problem with it is that it needs to be removed at the end of the season and it cannot be reused. The landscape fabric can be used over and over and over again. The black plastic cannot. This makes it a single use plastic that's basically impossible to recycle, which is not something that we are very fond of. Also, some plants don't like to be in contact with black plastic, like cabbages, for instance, and they can rot right where they're touching the plastic. It's also a little bit more difficult to get water to the root system of these plants because the plastic is not permeable. So it usually requires a drip line to run beneath the plastic. There are biodegradable versions of this that break down at the end of the season so that there's no requirement to remove it. It's generally just available for commercial purposes. Uh, You can see videos of farmers using these um, with a specific implement that rolls it out over the beds. Uh, You can get smaller quantities of them but we've just seen this sort of shredding in the fields and not really decomposing completely, and it's just not one of our favorites for home gardeners. If you do choose to use it, the same thing here applies as it does for landscape fabrics. Black plastic will heat up the soil, so if you're trying to warm the soil and transplant earlier or use it in an area designated for heat-loving plants, then great. If not, Your next option is wood chips or wood mulch. These are the types of mulch you typically see used in flower beds or in landscaping. You can make your own by simply chipping up trimmings from your trees in your yard, or you can buy it in bags at your local garden center. Just know that these chips can sometimes contain pesticide residue and will not provide much in the way of nutrients for soil right away since they break down more slowly. Also, they can get in the way when you try to work the beds the following year. This is our least favorite choice for the garden, at least for a vegetable garden, and really don't recommend it except in perennial areas. They do work well for areas where oregano and sage and other plants that return year after year are planted. I will say, though, if you keep permanent beds in your garden and you use wood chips in the walkways to mark the paths, they work great for keeping the weeds out of those areas and give you a designated place for walking. This is actually our favorite choice for our pathways, but we don't ever use them as a mulch in annual garden beds. It is great for perennials though. Another choice is stones and other inorganic materials. Uh, Decorative stone is generally good for areas where, again, perennial plants like herbs or perennial flowers will stay put for years. They're good at keeping an area looking nice. They combat weeds and retain moisture. But again, in the annual vegetable garden, it's not recommended. Like those wood chips, they will definitely be in the way for working in the garden the next season, and they don't allow for much in the way of flexibility. Another one that I've seen suggested is carpet remnants, and I really don't recommend it. Those remnants of carpet, while effective at keeping out weeds and trapping in moisture, could also be leaching chemicals into the garden and will break down in the weather, leaving strands of synthetic fibers to float around your garden and to work into your soil. Please just dispose of carpet remnants responsibly with your trash company or find some other way to reuse it, just not in your garden. Now, the final option is to use a ground cover or a companion plant uh, as a living mulch. You need to be selective in this instance because you want a plant that will complement the one you are mulching. For example, We are using a trailing nasturtium as a living mulch in our tomato plants this year. Not only will the trailing habit of the nasturtium fill in the spaces around the base of the tomato plants to choke out weeds and retain the moisture, but the blooms of the nasturtium attract beneficial insects that prey on insects that attack the tomatoes. And as an added bonus, The blooms of the nasturtium are edible, and so they make a great addition to our salad mixes that we sell at our farm stands. Another example is using winter squashes planted between sweet corn. The squashes sprawl, acting as a ground cover for weed prevention and moisture retention, and they use nutrients at a different time than the sweet corn does. So, any ground cover that doesn't compete for nutrients with the crop that you're growing makes a suitable living mulch and will shade the ground to help retain moisture while choking out any possible weeds. Now, one that you might not think about using as a mulch that's usually considered a a soil amendment is compost. But not only is compost a good way to add biota and microbes and soil texture to your garden. A thick layer of compost can also act as an effective weed barrier. A thick layer from two to three inches or more should be enough to prevent most weeds from coming through. And at the end of the season, just leave it in place to work itself into the rest of your garden soil as a great amendment. And like other organic mulches, check your soil nutrients and the nutrient level of your compost if possible to be sure that you're not throwing things sort of all out of whack. No matter which mulch you choose, try to match the mulch with the crop and the soil conditions. Experience will help with this a little bit once you've gotten a season or two under your belt, but know that university field tests have shown using a mulch can increase your yield by 30% or more. Or you can look at it as not using mulch can reduce your yield by 30% or more. Not to mention the time saved from less weed pressure and the benefits to your soil structure and the topsoil. And even if you do lay mulch down, you could still have some weeds pop up. If you attack those weeds, as soon as they rear their little heads, you'll increase your chances of eradicating them. Young weeds have small roots, making them easier to pull and destroy. It also makes it easier if you pull them after a good rainfall. Those roots are nice and loose. So what about garden plants that can't be mulched? For those plants that have limited spacing between them, it's virtually impossible to lay down a protective barrier. Things like carrots or beets and small leafy greens that may have only a few inches between their rows. How do you keep weeds out of those areas? The best way to manage weeds in small spaces is to cultivate frequently. This is simply dragging a tool of some sort across the soil surface between the plants you want to keep, to destroy any plants that you don't want. Scraping the soil surface or shallowly cultivating between those rows will destroy any weed seedlings and keep them from encroaching on your plants. If you keep on a schedule for this, you'll not see any weeds hindering the growth of your plants. Okay, so what if your weed situation is completely out of control? There are chemical weed killers you can use if you're not opposed to that. Weed killers can be tricky to use, though, because they are non-selective. If you get them on your garden plants, they will kill the garden plants, too. Herbicides work by spreading from a plant's leaves down into its roots, but most of them only work on actively growing weeds. They're not something that you can use prior to those weeds popping up out of the ground. So chemical herbicides are best used when you're establishing a garden and trying to kill off the grass or any other perennial weeds that are already there. You'll need to spray several applications two to three weeks apart to be effective and then quit some time before planting anything you wish to cultivate. It may even have to wait until the following year. One organic option to this is corn gluten meal. So corn gluten meal is a naturally derived pre-emergent herbicide. It's a byproduct of producing ethanol from corn. In your garden, you can layer corn gluten meal over the planting bed to prevent the emergence of weeds. However, I would only recommend this if you'll be transplanting seedlings into that bed, not if you're planning to grow from direct seeding. The, the corn gluten could prevent your vegetable seeds from sprouting the same way it prevents weed seeds from coming up. So, that's the basics of controlling weeds in your home garden. Prevention is definitely the first line of defense, followed by a thick layer of some kind of mulch conducive to your particular crop, followed by frequent cultivation and pulling of the tender weed seedlings. If you let it get out of hand, it's easy to get overwhelmed and give up the fight, so being proactive is definitely the best approach. Thanks for listening to this Garden Talk Tuesday episode of the Just Grow Something podcast. You've got just another day or so to get your garden questions in for our first Can You Dig It? episode coming up the first Friday of the month. I'll cover a topic or two of gardening interest and then answer listener questions. And if I use your question, you'll be entered into the drawing to win a Clyde's Garden Planner to use for planning the planting dates in your own garden at home. Just email your questions to grow at justgrowsomethingpodcast.com. Use the contact form at our website, justgrowsomethingpodcast.com. Or use the link in the show notes to send me a voice message. These are all great ways to leave me feedback on this podcast as well, and rating and reviewing the show on whatever platform you're listening on would also help too. Until next time, my gardening friends, keep planning that dream garden, and we'll talk again soon. You just finished another episode of the Just Grow Something podcast. I hope listening to these episodes is helping you understand more about how to grow and preserve your own food and maybe growing an awareness of food issues in general. Just remember, no matter where you live or what you have, you can absolutely grow something.